let's, uh, let's sing one song before we get into the Word of God. Amen. Are you excited about the Word this morning? I am. Amen. You are worthy, Lord, to take the book and open up His seals. That is in, uh, that is in uh, Revelation chapter 5. Amen. You are worthy. Let's sing it. take your seats again. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, at last, I would say, at last we come to the rest of Revelation. It's been a few weeks that I've been away and other preachers preaching here and we had a fantastic time with other people preaching here. And uh, today we come to, to chapter 6 in the book of Revelation. And we want to talk about the four horsemen this, this morning. Uh, and the theme of this message this morning is come and see four times in the book of Revelation chapter 6. Four times these words were called out to John. He says, come and see. That is what translations, certain translations gives that, but other translations just says, come. But I want to use the words come and see. Today we start in this chapter, 14 action-filled fast-paced chapters up until chapter 19. Action-filled, fast-paced, things which you and I can't even imagine that's going to come upon this world. And I also want to say this morning that these things haven't happened yet. There are teachers out there who say that some of these things has already happened. No, this is in the future. This is coming. It's coming to this world. We will also find a pattern of four and three. Four and three. From here on we're going to see 
how the seals are open up. Every single seal is open up. Seven of them. There's going to be seven trumpets and seven bowls. And out of all of those, you're going to see four things happening on the earth and three things that's happening behind the scenes in heaven. And how privileged are you and me to be able to see these things, to sit here this morning and to hear about these things. There are thousands and millions of people who's not even interested in what is going on here. And they are fast asleep. Let me tell you, the world is fast asleep. They don't even know what's coming. And when it's going to come, it's going to hit them so hard, they are going to run for the mountains, literally run for the mountains and the caves. We are so, so blessed to be able to see and to look into these things and to understand what's going on here. Even the world is fascinated, fascinated about these next 14 chapters. You find blockbuster movie after blockbuster movie about the things in the book of Revelation. And it is shocking this morning to know that children of God, Christians, go and watch these movies and they take those movies as facts. And they haven't even, listen to me, they haven't even read the book of Revelation themselves. We find all these movies. Hollywood is all over it. They know something is coming. They make movies. The earth is caving in a massive earthquake. And as the hero jumps into the airplane, he just, just by a whisker takes off as the whole world behind him tumbles in. Other movies are made where you get this massive, this massive tsunami just washing over the world. It's all fabricated. Yet, children of God, Christians are eating it up as if it's nice sweet pudding. And they haven't once, not once, read through the book of Revelation. I find it shocking, friends, that people will then start to talk about this as if they know what is going on in the book of Revelation. Yet, the Word warns us that we need to stay watchful and prayerful now my question this morning is how can you stay watchful and prayerful if you don't even know the book of Revelation? I said it before and I'm going to say it again that I feel inadequate this morning to keep on preaching in the book of Revelation. Inadequate. And it's not because I haven't read through it. I've studied through it. I've taught through it. I've preached through it so many times. I feel inadequate that there will be people who hear my voice this morning and going on onto the videotape who's never read through the book. I feel inadequate to preach about things which they don't even know or didn't even take the time to sit down and to go and read what's going to happen in the future. But you know what people do these days? They go to the fortune tellers. Yes, they sit there with their little ball, their little uh, crystal ball and snot dripping out. Of, I shouldn't go there. But they sit over there and they look into this thing and they want to tell you what's going to happen in the future. Oh, but people are fascinated about that. Or they want to take your cup of tea and see where the tea leaves has fallen. As if that is going to tell you something about the future. Or they want you to stretch out your hand and reach your palm. Oh, I see that line is working really fine. You see that line there and that line there, they cross over there and there's a, a big thing that's going to happen in your life. Well, every single person in this place has got lines crossing. People go after that, but they forget the book of all books. 
who talks about the future, and it's the Word of God. We study Revelation. Have you read it? Have you read it? Personally, have you sat down and say, I want to read through this Revelation in one sitting? I want to suggest that, highly suggest it to you, because you need to test every single word that I preach to you. How are you going to do that if you don't even read the book? That is why these days we have one person saying this and you get a multitude of people following and run after him and next day another wing comes and then, oh, we run after this person and then they come to you and say, have you heard about this guy? And I go, what guy? Whoa, where's this guy? Where, 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 where do we find him? No, no, I'm not frantic about that anymore because I found the man of all men, the man of God. yes. And this is why when we go into this, I cautiously go into the study. I, I cautiously go into these next few chapters because it is terrible things you're going to hear. It's absolutely terrible. My prayer this morning is, is that the Holy Spirit will grab a hold of your heart that if you still live a sinful life, that He will shake you so much through the words you're going to hear over the next few weeks that you know that I need to move closer to Christ. I need to live a holy life acceptable to Him. Listen, not a law life. I'm not bringing you back under the law, but under the grace of Christ Jesus. In the next 14 chapters, we're not only going to see prophecy, but we are going to see theology. We're going to see the... It, we're going to see the revelation of the character of God in the next few chapters. Not only the character of God, but the principles of His kingdom. Oh, there's a, there's a multitude, there's a swag load of people these days proclaiming that the kingdom has come. The kingdom is now. Have you heard that? Dominion preaching. They say the kingdom is here, it's now. They are so wrong. Yes, His kingdom is established in Christ Jesus. But now we're going to see as He set Himself up in the next 14 chapters what's going to happen on this world and what's going to happen as I sit behind the scenes. He starts these 14 chapters with an invitation to John. He says to him, come and see, four times. And every single time he sees a horseman on a horse at a certain color. But before we get to that, I want to take another, a detour, coming into these chapters. And you know me by now, I go a little bit on rabbit tails, don't I? This is not a rabbit trail, this is a detour. Because I want to speak to your heart now, and then we're going to get to the horses. I want you all to open up with me in the book of Amos. Amos, as we all know, was a prophet. And we need to read prophecies. Not in little books which people stand up, self-proclaimed prophets. We need to go to the, the authentic prophets in the Bible, and we need to study them and read them. So as we open up in Amos chapter 3, verse 6, I want to read this to you. As you, as you follow in your Bible, and I would highly recommend that you bring your Bible so that you can make notes in your Bibles. Or if you don't bring it, we've got the, the, the word on, on the, uh, the board there for you. So Amos chapter 3, verse 6, he says, If a trumpet is blown in a city... Will not the people be afraid? These are questions he asks. Will the people not be afraid? If there is calamity in a city, will not the Lord have done it? Question mark. 
Surely, listen to this now, verse 7. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless He reveals His secret to His servants, the prophets. The Lord will reveal nothing until He reveals it to His prophets, the servants. A lion has roared, who will not fear. The Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? Now, over the years, from the NIR, the New Apostolic Reformation, false teaching, I've heard these people using this verse out of context. Now, whenever somebody reads to you a scripture verse, you need to go back and put it into context. They would say, for instance that they are prophets, self-proclaimed prophets, and God speaks to them on your behalf. And if anything in your life is going to happen, God will reveal it to them and they will tell you that. And so they get control over your life and they manipulate your life. I'm telling you that we've seen people in our lives. In New Zealand, there were families there that we saw where their children don't serve the Lord anymore because all of this rubbish was fed to them. Let me put this verse in context for you but also speak to your heart. You see, prior to this verse, he was actually talking to Jerusalem, his people. And if you follow this, you will see that there was sin done by the people. Sin. He says there in verse 2, if you're in your Bible, you can see that. He says there in verse 2, you, have only, have, uh, you only have I known of all the families of the earth. He's talking to the Jews. And then he says, Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities, for all of your sin. I want to say to you this morning, if you're conducting sin, God will punish sin. And if you are looking for a church who's not preaching sin, this is not the right church. Sin needs to be preached from the pulpits. We need to be cut by the heart to understand that we are serving a holy God. And a holy God hates sin. And sin will be judged if His people, who Him, chosen out of all of the nations on this planet, of this world, of this earth, if He didn't oversee them, if He punishes them, then He will surely punish you and me for sin if we commit sin. But friend, there is great news. If you come to the cross of Christ and He forgive you your sins, you're forgiven. Yes? Now listen. To the verse again, he says, he warns them. He says, surely the God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servant, the prophets. What did he reveal to them? He revealed to them that they will be punished. This revelation was done according to what they will be punished. Why? Why did God do this? Why would God come to a nation? Why would he come to a people and warn them about the iniquities? For one and one reason only, for repentance. For repentance. He warns you. And the warning is out there today for each and every one of us. And in this world, you have to come to the cross of Christ and repent of your sin. That's the warning. Will so people listen? I don't think they will. Now, turn with me just over to Isaiah. Isaiah. Chapter 29. Isaiah chapter 29. I want us to have a look at uh, verse 11. Isaiah chapter 29 verse 11. He says, 
the whole vision has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed. You see that? The whole vision has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed. You know how a book looks that is sealed? It looks like this. It's closed. And that's what he says to these people, Isaiah. He says to them, the words of the book is, is sealed. Which men deliver to one who is literate, who is a very clever person who can read and write, saying, read this please. Please read this to us. Why would they want to know? Because they want to know what's in the book. They want to know what's in the prophecies. Listen, I'm coming to a point here. We are dealing with the book of Revelation. For a lot of people, it's sealed. Even for Christians sitting in a church, it's sealed. And even if you give it to them and they are literate, they can read and they can understand, it's still sealed to them. And he says, listen, they came and they said, the words of the book is sealed and then they give it to a literate, and then they say, read this, and now listen what this man says. He says, I cannot because it is sealed. Then the book is delivered to one who is illiterate, saying, read this please, and he says, I'm not, uh, am I not illiterate? He says, I can't read it because I can't read. Friends, there cometh a day when they will come to the literate, illiterate, and they want to open up the book and they won't be able because people don't heed after the things of God anymore. They don't heed after the Word of God anymore. There's enough proof of it in the world now. You turn on televangelists and people who preach in there, they don't read and preach out of the Word of God anymore. Let me tell you this. Will your children still be able to read the Bible like you read it? Are you an example to your children how to read and study the Word of God? So they read in schools, they are learned and taught in school how to read, but one day if you give them the book, the, the Bible, and you say, read this, they'll say, I cannot read it because I can't understand it. Isn't that what your friends are saying? We don't get it. Why are you getting so excited about it? We don't get it. You guys are studying through the book of Revelation. I've tried to read into that. Listen, I tried to read it, but it's so difficult. Am I right or wrong? It's so quiet in here. You see, it's the literate, illiterate, but if the book is sealed for the one, the other one can't read it. It is your and my task as children of God to reach out and to study the Word of God and to keep on in encouraging our children and their children to read and study the Word of God. Otherwise, listen to me, the Bible will become a sealed book for people. No, 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 no. Let me correct myself. It is already become a sealed people, not only for the world. No, no, no. Not only for the world, but for the children of God sitting in churches who does not preach the Word of God nor read the Word of God themselves. I get upset. I must be honest to you this morning. I get upset when I see these false teachers and I listen to the stuff they are preaching and teaching and I go, how in the world can anybody listen to that? How in the world can anybody, a, a sane, literate person, how in the world can they sit there and be so deceived? But you know, it should not come as a surprise. Why? Because it's sealed to them. It's sealed. No, no, we'd much rather tell you a nice story. We'll read one or two verses and tell you a nice story. And slowly but surely your heart gets waxed 
and the book gets sealed so that the literate can't read it. And the illiterate aren't not literate enough to read it. Friends, we're going into a very dangerous stage of life. I'm going to give to you in a few moments what's going to happen on this earth. And my prayer is, because I do believe in the rapture, my prayer is that you are not here because you will not make it then if you can't make it now. You know why? Because you will then say, I'll have my chance then. But I'll tell you, friend, the books will be sealed and you won't find a literate who can open it up for you. See where I'm going? This is serious. Therefore, in verse 13, the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths. Listen to this verse, church. He says, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips. Hallelujah! We sing the praises of God and some churches jump up and down and have their smoke machines going on. You know what it means to him? Let's read on. He says, but, what does that mean? It's a sharp contrast, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. This is why you find these days that people are fearing men more than God. There you go, it's right in your Bible. And you thought you were coming in here just to hear about four horses? It's much more. And then now, now we need to understand, what is the problem here, Isaiah? Why are you going on like this? Why are you prophesying all of these things? Well, you need to understand where this is coming from. And, and I'm going to address something now which, which is sitting at the door of every single heart of even every person sitting in this place. It's one word. It is the word pride. Pride. You see, even a, a Christian can have pride. And, and what happens? You see, these people, if you read it in context again, if you look at Isaiah chapter 29, you go back to verse 1, you will find out that Isaiah starts prophesying there and he says that you are living in the city where David lives. Oh, that man after God, you know, man after God's own heart. And you see, we've got the same thing today, dear friends. We've got the same thing today. You see people, Christians, who ought to follow Jesus Christ and Him alone are now following man. And we've got these super pastors. And you can't even talk to them because, oh no, I've got my pastor and they've only got their eyes starstruck on their pastors. And they defend their pastors with their lives. And I ask, what about Jesus Christ? What about Him? These people were saying in that passage, oh, we're living in the city where David lives. In what city are you living? Who, who you've got in your city? Who do you have in your church? <laughs> in our church? Oh man, we've got this famous rugby player in our church. We've got this famous AFL player in our church. Oh man, this is the church to be. It is the same that this city made the same thing. And you know what happens? It brings them pridefulness and boastfulness into their lives. And now I'm coming back to what Amos said. And now I'm coming back to what he says. He says, well, you know what happens? You are so starstruck on this pastor and on anything that he says. And they said, look, I've got nothing against pastors. I've got nothing against them. I've got it against the people who make them gods. 
I might say something that's going to shock you this morning. You know, there are people, I love Jacob Price with all my life, and you know what, I read and I follow him. But he's not a God. He's a man just as you and I am a, a man. Let me name more. David Wilkinson, you name these men of God. Dave Hunt, all these people, I read their books, I, I listen to them, but I don't follow them as gods. You know what I do? I learn from them as God has given them revelation out of the Word of God. They're not self-proclaimed prophets. And then I go back to the Word of God and I test them according to the Word of God. And that's what you should do to me. Let no man be above God. This is what these people did. Oh, we live in a city where David lives. Who's in your city? Oh, that guy. Oh, yeah, David. He's down there. That's not the only thing. That's not the only thing. Listen, there's a second thing. I want you to go and read that. I, I'm, I'm hurrying on here because I want to cramp in as much. I've got so much. I need to cramp in in time. But here's the other thing that made them prideful. It says there that from year to year, they had their feasts. Their feasts. So this is it, you know. One thing is they follow the man, and then they have their feast from year to year. And you know what this feast has become to them? It became a show of pride. It became a show. Oh, we have our feasts. And it's the same today. We've got our church, and every Sunday we go to church, and we have a, man, we have a vibrant church service. And next Sunday, vibrant, we have our feasts. But you know what it does? It makes them pride and boastful. And then it doesn't surprise me, dear friend, it does not surprise me that it says there that the literate couldn't read the book because it's sealed. Because let me tell you something, dear friend, you will not be able to read the words of this book through a, a prideful heart. Because the only reason why you want to read then is to satisfy yourself and to justify yourself. Where are we sitting this morning? You see, I constantly, before I preach this word, know that I'm standing under the authority of God, and I know that I'm accountable for every single thing I say from this pulpit. Not to you. You need to test me, but I'm accountable to the Holy God. Uh, God dislikes pride, and you know what He will do? He will bring it down. As he's done with this nation here, as he's done with this city here, as he's done with these people here. Now I want you to quickly follow now with me to another passage. I'm still on a detour. Is it okay with you? I was going to do it anyway. <laughs> Matthew chapter 25. We find Jesus now. And I love this. Because now we fast forward from Isaiah, from, A, from Isaiah zoop, up to Amos, and we fast forward now right into the New Testament. And now we find our Lord Jesus Christ. And he talks to these people. Now let me give you a little bit of context. Before this, he talks to cities where the mighty works of Christ was done. Where the mighty works of Christ was done. Geoarsen, he names them there. But you see, friend, they didn't listen to this. Matthew 11, verse 25. He said in verse 21, Woe to you, Gorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Uh, he says, Woe to you, uh, Capernaum. Because if the mighty works which was done in, in, in your cities was done in cities in the Old Testament and, and you didn't repent, the woe will be on you. 
And now he says in verse 25, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to babes. You've revealed them to babes. You've hidden them. What things was hidden? It was the mystery of the gospel in the New Testament. It was hidden from these wise people. You know who they were? The wise and prudent were the Pharisees and the Sadducees of their day. We've still got a lot of them these days. We've still got a lot of Pharisees and Sadducees. Sad you see, I should say. Oh man, I can, I can play around with this verse because I had a man once who said to me, you see, we need to go to Philip and bless you now and we're going to sit next to that little baby who was born and we're going to hear the revelations of God out of that child's mouth. Because he says it right there from babes. The babies, we need to listen to the little babies. In fact, we all should walk out here and go with Leone into the Sunday school and, and listen to the babies and hear the word. Is that what he meant by that? No, that's not what he meant by that. He meant by that, that Greek word there for babies is the word nepios. It's, I know it sounds like nappy. <laughs> it's nepios. It's not little babies that we need to listen to. It is the ones who are taught by the Scripture. The new ones in the Scripture, we, the, by God, that's what we need to listen to. But you see... He will then hide these things from the wise. Why? Because they become pride and boastful. One more verse before we get to Corinthians, uh, to Revelation. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 2. Uh, so, that word there, the nepios, is about the untaught according to the universities. So, let's have a look. At 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, he says, However, this is now Paul speaking to the church in Corinthians, and he talks about this wisdom. He says, Wherever we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age. Praise God for that. Friend, I want to tell you this morning that all of the wisdom of this age, if you box it in a box, and you put it down, and you come to the wisdom of God... <laughs> It will be a small speck. No, you won't even see it. That's all the wisdom of this age. He says, we do not talk about the wisdom of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written... I has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. Now I'm getting to a crescendo here when we get into the book of Revelation. He says these things. You see, God has got secrets. Dios obscanditos. It is veiled from us. We can't see it with our eyes. Then He's revealing it to us. Dios revelatos. Now listen to this further. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. 
For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Caution. Caution right here. Because again, in our day you get people who say, no, just throw away the Bible. God is giving us a revelational knowledge now. All I need to do is lock myself into a room and go, mm, get that Lord mm, yes Lord mm. and man next Sunday I walk up behind this pulpit and I'm on fire Lord said to me just like no 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 he gave us the Holy Spirit and the word of God you know what's going to happen here listen to me the Holy Spirit of God is going to open up the word of God to give us the revelation of God shall I say that again I'm not going to ask you, I'm going to do it. The Holy Spirit of God is giving us the Word of God to give us the revelation of God. You cut any one of those out, you've got nothing. You've got false teaching. You've got people power. That's just what it is. It's through His Spirit. God's wisdom is not only known through the preaching of the gospel. The gospel preaching is good. I know of people who who, who are sitting under the preaching of the gospel. Man, they can quote this gospel verses for you just like this, just like that. But it's like a a parrot. Have you seen some of these parrots that you can teach to do things? We had one in in New Zealand. His name was Max. (laughs) Strange name for a bird, but you know, that was what he was. And Max was a lorikeet. You know what we do? We walk up to him and say, Hello, Max. Hello, Max. Hello, Max. Hello, Max. I don't know how many times. But then one day, as, we walk in, as I walk into the, the kitchen, he goes, Hello, Max. Oh, you, you should have said, Hello, John. But that's what a papa do. We take him to the vet. We sit him down. And one would think that he could, he could work out between birds and dogs. But somebody else come in with a dog and he goes, Hello, Max. That's what puppets do. I see some Christians in churches that are like puppets. Because they've got a form in front of them, a man, and they follow the man, they don't follow God. God did not make puppets. He's not asking you to be His puppet. He asks you to, to be His child, blood washed. And this is what I often say to people, you know, God knows you've got a different personality than mine. And that's why He changes into the image of His Son. But look, He comes to me and He talks to you and He works in different ways. He revealed it to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things. And God's wisdom is only known to us through His Spirit. You know, you can read the book, but if you don't get the wisdom of God through His Holy Spirit then then you can be deceived. Now, with that in mind, let us now go to the book of Revelation. You say, wow, that was a big blow and, and a detour that you took there. Why did you do that? I want you to understand one thing. As we're going to open up now the things of God, the hidden things of God, I want to ask the Holy Spirit to prepare your heart for this to open up your heart for this, to receive this, to know it. This, what you're going to hear now, I would say to you, most of the world doesn't even know it's coming. They follow Hollywood. What's the movie's name? Apocalypse or what? Um, I, I forgot a few names. You know, the Bray, whatever. Armageddon. There you go. Armageddon. And you know what they'll do? They'll go into the movie and sit there and come out and wow, I know so much more what's going to happen in the future. You know nothing. 
you know nothing. This is the real one. So let's open up in Revelation chapter 6 verse 1. He says, remember, John is in heaven. He was called up into heaven. He saw the throne, the, ma- the majesty of God. He saw all of this happening. He saw the worship going on in heaven. But whilst that's happening, something's going to happen on the earth now. In verse 1 he says, Now I saw when the lamp opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a, with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. So what he saw, now look, the the pictures that I'm showing you today, please, they are not what he saw. This is man's imagination, what they thought he saw. But this is what he saw. He gives us a description of that. He saw a white horse, and the one who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to it. And the first question that people over the ages ask is, who is this? Who is this rider on the white horse? And there is a lot of people who say it is Christ. It's Jesus Christ. There's some commentators that I've read who says it is the church. It is the gospel. That is the writer on the white horse. Remember, this is in the future. It didn't happen yet. So it's going into the future. So, you know, people say it is Christ, but I don't agree with that. And I want to show you why. Because we find a description of Jesus Christ in Revelation 19 verse 11. And let's compare them just quickly. He says in 19 verse 11, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. You see, there's the white horse, they say. (coughs) Excuse me. A white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful, true, and righteousness, and he judges and makes war. Verse 15 says, Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he would strike the nations. So, what is different from this rider and the rider in Revelation 19? First of all, this rider was given a bow without an arrow. Without an arrow. It doesn't say in a bow and an arrow. And a bow and an arrow goes together, don't they? I mean, you don't take a fish and you put it in an arrow, do you? In a bow. Duh. <laughs> Swordfish. Yeah, that was what I was meaning, brother. <laughs> There goes an arrow. So that's the first thing. But our writer in Revelation 19 comes with a sword. What? Out of his mouth. The word of God. He doesn't need a bow and an arrow. But a bow is an instrument of war. It shows that there can be power. Secondly, and I'm going to come back to that point. Secondly, he had a crown on it. A crown was given to him. If you go to the Greek the Greek in Revelation chapter 6 verse 9, and you look at this crown, it is the Stephanos crown. The Stephanos crown was given to those people who run a race and they win. And they would go over the winning line, stand up there, and they will put a crown of leaves on them. That was called a Stephanos crown, a winner's crown. This writer was given a winner's crown, whereas our writer in Revelation chapter 19 also had many crowns, but that is the Greek word diadem. And a diadem was only given to royalty. This is not the Christ. This is a royal Christ coming back. He had a diadem on his head, a crown of glory, a crown of majesty on his head. This crown only had a winner's crown. 
So these horses come, so you say, who is this person then? I want to suggest to you, no, no, I want to say to you this morning that that is the Antichrist. Because you will see that he will be given authority, but there will be a bloodless war as he takes over the world. You need to have somebody to come in and to make peace on this world without war. You say, well, that's a little bit hard to swallow if you look around us and you see how, how you know, Trump is moving up a lot of his ships up there to North Korea and they shoot off these rocks and they, you know, the rocks, missiles, and there's a lot of talk around war and stuff that's going to happen. But wait a minute, we're talking about future events here. These things that's happening today is just pulling all the players into place. Again, you and I, even I, Ted, talking, talk about things coming into the future which we don't have a clue. The only clues we've got is written here in the Word of God. The only thing I know is that this is not Christ sitting on that horse. He came to conquering and to conquer. Christ don't have to do that. When Christ comes back, what is He going to do? He's going to make war. He doesn't have to conquer. When he came out of the grave, he was risen. He says, all authority has been given unto me. He's got all authority. Let me tell you something. The Antichrist coming, the things happening in the world right now, is delicated authority. It gives them to happen to bring all the players into one place. So you say, don't you get worried about what's going in the world? Yes, look, there's lives that's lost. It's terrible. But I'm not going to lose a night's sleep because of a man sitting in North Korea who can press a button. Why? Because I serve a sovereign God. I serve a sovereign God. He's got my life in His hands and He decides what's happening in my life. If, it, if, if my life, listen to me this morning, if my life has to end tomorrow because a man in North Korea pressed a button, you know what? I say, praise the Lord, He's according to His will. <laughs> I'm not going to fear that. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. No, no, He gave us a spirit of what? Of love, power, and a sound mind. Listen, child of God, listen, Christian, why do you fear so much? Why do you dread the day of tomorrow? You say, I don't, but I listen when you talk. You dread the day of tomorrow, whilst Christ gave us liberty and freedom. This man is coming. He's the Antichrist. He's going to set up a world kingdom. He's going to be the man of peace, they call. I've got so many scriptures, but for time's sake, I'll just tell you this, and then we, we can do a study. Or you can go and read and do the study. He's coming. They're going to trust Him. There's a break in the seven years that comes now. And next week, I'll talk a little bit more about the seven years. There's three and a half years, a break in three and a half years. The first three and a half years, this man is going to be the bees of all. He's going to be everybody's friend. He's going to be the peacemaker. Everybody's going to love him. He's going to conquer and conquering without war. And that's going to set him aside. So if you say it is Trump, I say it's not because Trump needs to take war to bring peace. If you say it is the guy from China, I say it's not because he's got to use war and he's got to use all his things to get things to done. If you say it is a Bajimadat from, from Iran, I say it's not. Do you want me to put a name on it? I can't. And let no person come to you and say this is the man. Otherwise it would have been written here. So... It is not Christ. It is the Antichrist coming. He looks like the Christ. Now, let me explain to you the word Antichrist. It doesn't mean it is this really ugly guy coming onto the picture. No, he is like Christ. He is, in fact, if you use that word and you go into Greek, he is instead of Christ. He's going to look like Christ. 
And let me tell you this morning, friends, He's going to deceive thousands of people even in the church. I am fascinated and, and struck by the elections in America, the last elections. I'm struck how the Christian community came out and just all jumped in and said, man of God. I wouldn't go that far. I'm not going to talk politics here this morning. I, I think a lot of you know where I'm standing with it. I think he's better than the previous one. Let's just leave it there. I'm on really thin ice now. <laughs> Let's continue. Revelation chapter 6 verse 3. So the first horse that was coming out, he came out, it was a white horse. There was a rider on it sitting with a bow, with a crown. Okay, and he came to conquer and conquer. And verse 3, when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come and see. And another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword, a great sword. I want you to imagine the world without peace. You can't. You can't. You see, he didn't come out to make war. Have you noticed that? All he needed to do is to do what? Take peace away. That's all he needed to do. And I want to suggest to you that this is, eventually it will become a war between nations, but this is a total different war, which we in some countries might have experienced, but not at this scale. I'm talking about a civil war. And look, we are already seeing how the theater is setting itself right for that. In America and some places, I think in Chicago, I understand, if you drive down, people can just drive past you and shoot through the window. There are, I think, 4,000 people died last year in Chicago. But there is still peace in Chicago. Now, imagine if you take peace out, because if you take peace out of a society, you take judge out, judging. Think of that. If I can do anything, that I want to, and I won't get judged for what I'm doing. What will I do? It's havoc. It's happening in Melbourne. We've had the most home invasions that I think ever in the city. I mean, I'm living here now for six years. Six years it was unknown of. Now we hear every single time you turn on your telly, you hear about home invasions. And I'll tell you what happens. Every single person sits in the back of the edge and thinks, what if it's tonight our house? And again, we shouldn't live by fear. But here is the thing, friends. If this upsets you, which is now under the banner of peace happening, what will happen if peace goes? If you walk down the street and somebody just looks at you and they don't like your face and shoots you, bang, there you go. This is the kind of thing that's going to happen here. And then I want you to notice, because he talks about a great sword. The sword was an, an emblem of killing, a warfare in those days. That's why he says a great sword. And a great sword means that many is going to die. I know that these people who's happy, you know, not happy, I was, shouldn't use that word happy, but, you know, they feel safe that if you hear about thousands being killed in the Middle East, you go, wow, you know, it's not in Australia. In Syria, there's thousands being killed. It seems as if there's no peace in, in, in Syria. But we're sitting down here in Australia. It's not touching us, is it? But what if the peace of the world's been lifted and every single thing that you see now happening in Syria is happening here in Melbourne? 
You can't even get out of your house. You've got to fortify your house just to, just to protect your loved ones. How are you going to go to work? How are you going to protect, you know? You can't imagine this, friends. This is coming on the world now. It takes away peace that people should kill one another. You wouldn't know who to trust. You can't even trust your own brother, your own sister, your own father, your own mother, your uncles. You can't trust them. Think of this, because peace is taken away. How many blood feuds do you have in between families right now? Multiply that. If you just upset one of your, one of your children of, of, or, or, or one of your children upset you, you kill him. You just kill him. There's no peace. It's a terrible thing. It's not an easy thing to preach about and to think about. But there, wait, I'm going to end this service and I pray God speaks to everyone's heart. Now let's look at verse 5 because now he talks about the third horse. He says, when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts for a barley for a denarius. Do not harm the oil and the wine. You see, this famine, this talks about famine. The black horse represents famine coming in. And no doubt that war brings famine. But I want to suggest something to you which you might not have thought about. We are living in a society where everything is about making money, making money to make a living. We all do that. You go into a new job and you say, how much are you going to pay me? Or somebody headhunts you and you go, oh, okay, I can, I can lift it up another 10 or 20K. Or you're going to throw in a car there and all of this. It's all about money, isn't it? You know, I, I went to Vietnam and you know, I've got it in my wallet and I can show you. I'm standing here this morning a millionaire. <laughs> I'm rich, man. Kylie, I'm loaded. <laughs> I've, in fact, I've got 1,300,000 dong. <laughs> I'm loaded. I, you know, if you want to be my friend, now's the time. <laughs> Hang around me, man. I've got it. You know what it's worth? Under $100. $1.3 million. Under $100. You know why, why, why that happens? It's inflation. It's currency inflation. This is what I reckon is going to happen here. He stands with a scale. You know, you, know you, you can go and read. There's so many of these examples over time, but this is coming in future. Whatever happens in the past, you can multiply that by 100. That's how worst it's going to be. Now, now, I've heard about people walking with a, a wheelbarrow full of currency of money to buy a bread, and they could only get a half a bread. You can't buy with your money. You can work. In fact, he says here, he says, I heard a voice saying, living creatures, a quart of wheat for a denarius. A denarius was a full day's wages. So just imagine what you work for tomorrow. You take that money and you walk and you can't even buy a bread with all of what you've earned for the whole day. Not a bread for yourself. What about your family? What about your family? There's terrible times coming to this world, friends. And they don't even know it. Yet we are working every day. We want to reach our goals. And, and I, it should be like that. God created us. I'm not saying you should go and sit on a rock and go, oh, the whole world's going to tumble. 
No, we're children of God. We live every day and we look about for His coming. Day by day and each passing moment. I reckon the inflation is, is what this is going to drive. Inflation is going to go. And you, you, you want to know why I say that? Because he says, do not harm the oil in the wine. What is the oil in the wine? The oil in the wine is luxuries. The luxuries. So you're going to have a time now where the poor is going to get poorer and the rich is going to get richer. The poor won't be able to work a full day to get even a bite of, of, of something to eat. And the rich is going to sit around and they have their oil and they have their wine. Isn't that already happening in our day? Multiply that. Friends, I don't have the number. I say a hundred. But multiply that by, by an unknown number of how worse it's going to come. And you said you wait for, the, for this to happen because you're going to make it? Let me finish with the last horse. Revelation chapter 6 verse 7. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the four living creatures saying, Come and see. So I looked and behold the pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was death and Hades followed him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth. That's a lot of people, friends. That's a lot of people. To kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and with the beasts of the earth. So we see here two things. We see death on the horse. Death takes the body. And Hades was following because Hades takes the soul. There's no place of escape. Nowhere none. And the methods how people will be killed is by the sword. It is by hunger, and it's by death, and it's by beasts. Now, you see, the world is already preparing itself to set itself up. There is now a lobby group who says you can't kill sharks. <laughs> but sharks are killing people more now than before. There are now people who say, oh, you can't, it's a distinct animal, you can't do anything with this. You know, I, I look at them and I go, you are working for God, you don't even know it. Did I shock you by that? <laughs> The reason why I'm saying that is because the beasts need to come out of the earth and they're going to kill people again because they are so protected. Do you know that man's life is worth nothing for these groups anymore? And what did God say in His order when He created the heavens and the earth? He created man and He said, you will have dominion over the animals. Yet these people are changing the order, dominion for the animals. I should look at my little dog Cody there at, at home and say, are you the master of this house? Are you the alpha male? Oh, he's got a good royal fight with me, doesn't he? <laughs> you, you know why? He wants to sleep in my place. I get into my room and there's Cody lying in my place in my bed. And I go, what's going on here, mate? And I roar loud. I'm the alpha male. He needs to know where he's standing is. I just thought I'd throw that one in there. <laughs> it's terrible, isn't it? It's shocking what's coming to this world. I want to ask you, what did God say to you today through this? I've said a lot. What was God's word to you? What was His message to you this morning? Was it in the singing? Was it in the detour that I took into Revelation? Was it by any one of these horses? I'm amazed, friends, that there's a great amount of people who believe that they will be able to make it through the great Revelation. You know what they do? They watch movies. 
what is this? And I'm just thinking of this, uh, this guy who made these movies. is Left Behind. Left Behind movies. And look, for all of the good that that movie shows, there's also a lot of non-good. And this is one of the things, because it says maybe you've got a second chance. Maybe you've got a second chance because it shows the movie of what happened to people after the rapture takes place. And here are these people now on the earth and now all of a sudden, it is gonna, there's going to be people still uh, coming to the Lord after. But I'm amazed that people want to take the chance to say that I'll wait for that to happen. You know, I'm amazed that there's people who look at these things and they go, bring it on, I can't wait for these things to happen. I, friend, we don't know what we are calling upon. I'm looking about people today, dying today, go to eternity without Christ today. And you know what my prayer is? I say, Lord, I am looking so forward to your coming. Yes, I do. I want to encourage every brother and sister in this place. But Lord, if only one more day we can preach the gospel to somebody so that they don't have to go through these things, so that they don't end up in a place called eternal life without God, the lake of fire. And I'm amazed, friends. They think they can go through the tribulation. I look at our worship now. How people worship God and how people you know, follow God now. And, and I think the only thing that's against us right now is your own circumstances. Listen to me now. The only thing that you and I have got against us right now in Australia, in Melbourne, Australia, in 2017, is our own circumstances. We've got a free country to preach the gospel. We can still listen to the gospel of God. They haven't stopped us yet. We can do whatever we want. We are free in this country. We worship Him now. And the only thing against us is our circumstances changed. And that becomes so tough for certain people to keep on following God and worship Him. Yet they say, I'll, I'll wait, I'll take my chances when, when the rapture takes place or when these things come and when the horses come. I'm telling you now, friend, if you don't worship God now, what's your chances of worshiping God like that when these things happen? When not only your circumstances are against you, but the whole world is against you. What is your chances? You want to take a chance? You might as well go and buy a lottery ticket and I don't believe in them. I'm not pro pro uh, uh, propagating them here. You might as well go and do that by taking your chance and say, I'll wait. I'll wait because when these things happen, oh man, then I'll be on fire for Christ. You say, you say, then I will preach the gospel of God. So why don't you preach the gospel of God now when only your circumstances are against you? You're going to have the whole world against you, my friends. You're going to worry about putting a morsel of bread into your body to keep you going. And you're going to look at your loved ones, your children. You're going to look at them withering away without food, dying. You're going to worry if somebody's going to come in and kill them. You're going to worry if somebody's going to kill yourself. And you're sitting in the well time of God right now. And you can't worship and follow God and preach and proclaim His name now. How do you think in a world you will be able to do it when, he, when these things happen? I've got to be serious about this. I don't want to read these four horsemen just as, as a romantic side of, of the Bible. This is terrible things coming for this world. Yet there's people who say, you know, we will wait for that. We will do this. And I can't for these and all those things. I pray every day and I say, Lord, give me one more soul that I can, that I can reach with your word. 
Oh, I will testify. Just give me an opportunity. Once, once that white horse comes in, and once the, the drought comes in, and once this comes in, oh man, I will testify about the Lord. Because look, if we're going to read further, the, 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 fourth, the fifth seal that's going to be opened up, oh, listen, Pastor, he's going to show the martyrs under the altar. Who's those martyrs, Pastor? Those, those are the ones who testified about the Word of God and their testimony. Those are the ones in, in the times of tribulation who were killed. I'm going to be one of those. I'm telling you, you're putting yourself up for failure because I'm telling you, friend, it will take much more than what we have today to be able to do it then. What is God saying to you today? How will knowing these things, how will knowing these things change your relationship with Him? Your worship with Him? Your going home this afternoon with Him? Your waking up and going to your workplace? All I'm asking you is every single day wake up and say, day by day in each passing moment, Lord, I thank you for your blessing that you look upon a soul like me. I pray for my brothers and sisters and for your unity and your love in their hearts. Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word. And yes, Lord, your word is serious. It's loving and it's serious. And Father, your word compels us. Your word uh, uh, calls us, Lord, to action. Uh, Father, but it's an action to you, Lord. And I just pray this morning and I ask you, Lord, to go with each and every person this morning who's heard this word. And those who will hear hereafter on the, on the recordings as well, Lord. Father, these are serious times coming. I thank you, Lord, that you show these things to us. We have got a little bit more knowledge now about things coming than, than the average person. My question, Lord, that I want you to help us through your Holy Spirit with is what are we going to do with that? Are we going to keep it for ourselves? Or are we going to share it, Lord? I pray this in Jesus' name. Go with each and every person here this morning. And Father, I believe that your Holy Spirit has worked in hearts here. And I pray, Lord, your Bible, your word says it, your word will not go out and return back void, but it will accomplish every single thing that it's purposed for. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.